book of Colossians. I want to talk to you this morning about the, about the power of together. The power of together. Now, I love superheroes. I'm a big fan of the Marvel movies, DC to some extent, especially Marvel. How many of you, come on, let me geek, help, help me geek out, guys. How many of you cannot wait for Avengers Endgame? Come on. All right, my, my brothers and my sisters. All right. I love superheroes. Don't you? Who's your favorite superhero? Somebody talk to me. Who's your favorite superhero? Who? What? Hulk? Did I hear Hulk? Who else? Hulk. Hulk. Hawkeye, okay. Marvel. Mar- anybody Marvel? All right, come on, narrow it down. Who else? Who's your favorite? Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Aquaman. Aquaman. I know why you like Aquaman. You're married. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Batman. Who said Batman? That's my favorite too. I love Batman. He's my favorite. And the thing I love about Batman is that he likes to appear to work entirely alone. Well, I like that he's got all those gadgets. He's got a really cool car and a lot of gadgets. But he, he likes to appear that he's working alone. He's that lone knight, that, that dark knight out in the middle of the night fighting crime all by himself. But here's the thing. He's not alone. If you know anything about Batman, you know he's got who? Alfred, right? The faithful butler that helped train him and helps him maintain all this stuff and keeps him in line. He's got Alfred. And in some versions of Batman, he's got Robin, who is his ward, his partner in finding crime. Some even, in some even have, have has a Batgirl. Uh, and then in some versions, he has Lucius Fox, who's the creator of all of his wonderful technology. It takes, a whole, it takes Team Batman for this lone knight to be out in the middle of the night, fighting crime, right? Here's the thing. The idea of a superhero is a myth for a couple of reasons. Not only because they don't, that people don't have fantastic powers like that, but because real heroes never accomplish their heroic deeds alone. We buy into the myth that Superman, Iron Man, all these guys can... You know, that they, they, they single-handedly can save the world. And it's great fiction, great stories, but it's mythology. The truth is, nobody ever accomplishes anything significant alone. There is power in together. Now, other than Jesus, who would be the, best, the biggest hero of the New Testament? Paul, exactly, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle to the Gentiles wrote a third of the New Testament. Um, Paul took the gospel into new areas. He established churches, and he wrote letters that we now embrace as being inspired by God as Holy Scripture. But you know what? Paul actually isn't responsible for the biggest portion of the New Testament. You know... Do you know who wrote the biggest portion of the New Testament? Luke. Only two books, but two really long books. Luke wrote more of the New Testament than any other writer. Now, let's think about this for a second. Luke wasn't even one of the twelve disciples of Jesus. We often say he is because we say who are the disciples of Jesus. We say Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
that's not, that's not right. Matthew, you know, some of them were, uh, but Luke was not one of the twelve. Luke was a physician that we don't know exactly when he became a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, but we know that uh, Theophilus commissioned him to write a history of Jesus' ministry on earth and who he was, and then to write a history of the early church. That's how we got the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Acts is a sequel to Luke's Gospel. And so these two books comprise the biggest portion of the New Testament of any one human author. And so Luke was a doctor. He was sometimes a companion of Paul. And, and he was a, a, a very articulate and thorough investigator. So, Paul didn't do all this by himself. But Paul planted all these churches, right? I mean, Paul was the, the, gospel, the, uh, the uh, uh, um, apostle to the Gentiles, right? So he single-handedly planted all these churches and took the gospel to new areas, right? Well, he, he did plant a number of churches, yes, but he wasn't the only one. Have you ever, ever heard of Epaphras? Epaphras? I'm even trying to struggle to say the name right. Um, because we're not familiar with Epaphras is only mentioned about three times in the New Testament. Three times. In passing, in fact. One of these is in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 through 8. Paul is writing to Colossae. He says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love which spring from the hope stored up from you, for you in heaven, and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Wow, God's doing a lot in Colossae, right? I mean, there's, there's all this that Paul's talking about. So Paul did a great thing here, right? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 7. You learned it from Epaphras. Our dear fellow servant. Notice that phrase. Hold on to that phrase. Our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and, also, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So Epaphras was the guy that took the gospel to Colossae. He's the one that established the church in Colossae. Paul went in later to help build it up, but he wasn't the one who initially took the gospel to this region. How about another hero from the New Testament? What about Tychicus? You ever heard of Tychicus? That's just fun to say, Tychicus. He's only mentioned five times in Scripture. And he's always running some kind of errand for Paul. Later in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, Tychicus will tell, you all about the, will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. There's that phrase again, a fellow servant in the Lord. Epaphras and Tychicus. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? So what's the big deal about these guys? I mean, Paul is the apostle, right? So let's think about this. Look, without Luke's writings, for example, we wouldn't have many of the teachings or stories about Jesus that we have because many of the stories about Jesus and many of the things he taught are unique to Luke's gospel. They're not in the other three gospels. We would have less knowledge of Christ. And we would have almost no record of the activity of the early church. Imagine how different our knowledge of God would be without Luke. 
Epaphras was the first evangelist to take the gospel to Lycus Valley, where Colossae, Laodicea, and Heropolis are located. Without his efforts, we would not have the book of Colossians, because there would be no church for Paul to write to in Colossae. Tychicus delivered Paul's letters to the Ephesians, to the Colossians, and to Philemon. All of these later ended up in our New Testament. He spent much of his time traveling to various churches and regions on Paul's behalf, taking letters, sending messages, organizing ministry. And in that day, to travel in these regions was very dangerous, it was arduous, and it was expensive. Without Tychicus, those churches would have gone in a very different direction because they would not have had Paul's leadership. And we would not have three very important parts of our scriptures. The point is this. We sing Paul's praises, and we should. But Paul did not do it alone. What we see happening in the early church and the letters we have in the New Testament are the result of the power of together. Even Jesus didn't do it all alone. He had his 12 disciples working with him in his ministry. He had the 70 disciples that followed him. And when Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven, He he filled the, the 120 with the Holy Spirit, commissioning them and empowering them to establish the New Testament church. And the gospel spread around the known world of that day because Jesus had worked with them together. Think about it even this way. Even God doesn't do it alone. He gives us the Holy Spirit so that He can work through us. In the power of, say it, together. There's power. So, the point is simply this. We all need each other. So I want to unpack this a little bit today. What is it about the power of together that's so important? Number one, together multiplies our efforts exponentially. Together multiplies our efforts exponentially. Remember how Paul described Epaphras and Titicus? He called each of them his fellow servant. Now, he viewed them, notice this, he viewed them as partners in ministry, not assistants, not his servants, but equals, fellow servants of the Lord. The Greek word for the phrase fellow servant is one word, it's synergos, synergos. That prefix sin, S-Y-N, means together, it means fellow workers. This word, synergos, is where we get the English word synergy. Have you ever heard that term? Synergy is when two forces work together in unison, and the result is always greater than the sum of its parts. For example, the pulling pulling power of a draft horse. A single draft horse can pull about 8,000 pounds. But when you put two draft horses together, hitch them together on the, single, on the same load, they don't pull twice their weight, we don't, or twice the capacity. They don't go from 8,000 to 16,000 pounds. They pull three times their own weight, 24,000 pounds. So one horse can pull 8,000, but two horses can pull 24,000 pounds. That's the power of synergy. 
When you combine the power of two or more things, the result is greater than the sum of its parts. So this is how, if this is how synergy works with horses pulling a load, imagine what the Holy Spirit can do with people of God working together in unison. How good and pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity, the Scriptures say. Helen Keller said it like this, Alone we can do so little. Together we can do so much. Do you get this this morning? The power that is increased when we are united together. See, this is why the forces of hell work so hard to bring division to families, to relationships, to the church. We can't fight for one another if we're fighting with one another. Come on, somebody. And so... When we, when we are not in uni- unity, we're not only stopping any forward momentum, we are crashing any momentum at all and making us go backwards. And so Satan works overtime to bring disunity. He works overtime to bring dysfunction and, and disunity. And we must fight to maintain that. Because when you get two people working together, Jesus said when two or three are gathered together in His name, I am there in the midst of them. When you get two or three people working together in the same direction, God shows up in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so our efforts increase exponentially. When you get a church that's moving in one direction, there's no stopping it. When the momentum of the Holy Spirit gets a church moving, it's like a bulldozer that goes right over everything in its way. The same is true in our marriages, in our families, in our workplace. Dr. Wayne Lee, a minister from <coughs> South Florida, talks about that he was trying out for a church one time, candidating for a church, and he was interviewing with the board. He and his wife were there, and, and uh, one of the board members with kind of a smirk on his face and you know, chuckled a little bit, and he said, So tell me, which one are you stronger, you or her? And Wayne said, I looked at my wife, and she gave me a look like, Sick em, honey. <laughs> he said, I looked at that board member, and I said, We are. He said, I'll tell you this right now. He says, You will not divide us. You will not separate us. You will not pit us against one another. We are a team, and if you don't like it, we're not, then we're not the pastor for you. That's the power of together. The thing about when you've got somebody's back, nobody can sneak up behind you. You think about that? When you've got somebody's back, you don't get surprised. So many today are struggling because they're having to face painful and difficult circumstances all alone. And you may be there today, may be here today silently crying out for somebody to put a hand on your shoulder and simply say, I've got your back. That's what the church is for. That we don't face life alone. They need the power of synergy, the power of together to find healing, closure, or victory. Second point. We can accomplish great things if we don't care who gets the credit. If it doesn't matter who gets the praise for it, there's no stopping what can happen. 
Do you know what keeps the power of together from working a big percentage of the time? It's that one or two people want others to recognize their contribution. Uh, and, and I think it's appropriate and it's wonderful and it's good to honor people for what they do. But there is a difference between recognition that is offered and recognition that is demanded. And so when we demand the credit or need to be right about everything, we bottleneck any progress that we can make. What if Epaphras and Tychicus had, t- had gotten an attitude about all their stuff that Paul had them to do? Remember, Epaphras established the church at Colossae. And Tychicus was the one who delivered that letter to Colossae. And so what if they had been grumbling to each other about Paul getting all the credit? I could just see it. You know, they're, 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 they're in Paul's area there, and, and they're about to go in for a meeting with Paul, and, and, and they're talking to each other. It's like, you know, Paul's probably, Epaphras, Paul is probably going to send me to Colossae, that church that you started, probably going to send me with another one of his letters telling them about everything they should do. <laughs> and I've got to sit there and, 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 and read that letter to them. Epaphras says, you know what, I'm just, I'm really, I don't think Paul recognizes all the work I did. He talks about it like, like he's the one that established that church. He talks about it like he's in charge. Well, you know, I may not have the title Apostle of the Lamb, but, you know, I, I did a lot of work. <laughs> so imagine Tychicus taking that attitude with him with this, this letter that Paul wrote. He's got this letter rolled up, and he goes through the journey and gets to Colossae. And normally when a letter would be delivered to the church, the, the courier would, <clears throat> would take the letter, and he would, it's a scroll, so, you know. Notebook paper rolled up. And so he unrolled the letter, and, and, and he's reading the letter of Colossians to the Colossians. And so he reads through chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3. And then near the end in chapter 4, he gets down to verse 7, the verse we read earlier. And it says, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a fellow minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. Remember, he's reading this about himself. And he gets to that part, and he goes... <laughs> Fellow servant. Yeah, right. <laughs> Can I just say something here? I don't know what Paul means by fellow servant because Osimus and Epaphras seem to be the ones doing all the work around here. He tells us to go here and do that, and, and I'm the one that brought you this letter, right? I mean, Paul's big and in charge, but I mean, you know, Epaphras started this church, didn't he? Paul only mentions him one time in the whole letter, but I think he deserves more recognition than that, don't you? And so that sounds a little bit ridiculous. Well, that's what we look like sometimes when we start saying, well, yeah, but look at what I've done. Right? Now, don't misunderstand me. I believe in recognizing people for their contribution. And, and, and honestly, I'm not as good at it as I should be. I should do a better job of it. But there's a difference between offering recognition and stomping our feet and say, but look at what I did. I matter too. Right? And see, if we, if, if we all are constantly saying, look at me, look at me, nobody can see Jesus. Aren't you thankful today that Tychicus And Epaphras did not care who got the credit? Aren't you thankful that Tychicus took that letter to the Colossians faithfully? And we were able to preserve it as the Holy Scriptures that they are and that we have it today? It would not have happened without his service to the Lord. 
What matters is that people come to know Jesus. What matters is that marriages are healed, that goals are met. And and we all have an important part in that. Phil Jackson said it like this. He said, the strength... Of each te- uh, the strength of the team is each individual member. The strength of each member is the team. And so understand this. The strength of New Life Assembly, obviously it is the presence of the Holy Spirit. But the presence of the Holy Spirit could not be here if we were not welcoming Him by working together. And so the strength of New Life Assembly is each individual member. But the strength of each member at New Life Assembly is New Life Assembly. And so you understand, we all need each other. I can't do it by myself. You can't do it by yourself. We need one another so that the power of the Holy Spirit can work through us. And we're better together than we are apart. And by the way, this is why it's so important for every person here to be involved in some kind of connect group. Whether it's a Sunday school class or whether it's one of the other groups that we have It is so important that we get together, we build relationships with one another, that we can sit face to face and do life and talk about life and our struggles and pray for one another and encourage one another and teach one another. If you're not part of a connect group, I want to challenge you to get involved in that because there is power in together. The final point is this. God has an important role for you to play. God has an important role for every single one of us to play. God has an important role for you to play. Just because you don't have a stage or a microphone or a popular blog does not mean that God does not have an important role for you to play. You can influence from an offstage position in ways that will change lives. Think about this. I wonder. You know, we we don't know all the dynamics of how God downloaded the scriptures into the earthly authors. There is some there's evidence that there is some awareness that their writings were, were being counted as scriptures. So Peter mentions Paul's writings as scripture. But I wonder when Luke was writing his gospel and writing Acts, did he know it was scripture? He was writing a history. He was commissioned by Theophilus to write a history. So did he know he was writing the Word of God? I don't know. And I just wonder, I just wonder if Luke had any idea that his writings would endure so long. It's probable that Epaphras and Tychicus did not realize the letters they carried would continue to influence the spiritual lives of the 21st century. They thought they were just fulfilling an obligation. But what they were doing was serving as the hands and feet of Christ. And we are still reaping the benefits of their labors 2,000 years later. Don't sell yourself short. Don't underestimate the impact that you can have. Even if you don't have a platform, you still have an opportunity to influence. Parents, you have the power to shape the life of your child. Seniors, you have the power to invest your wisdom and experience into the next generation. Don't spend your life looking for greatness or 
trying to make a name for yourself, simply strive to be a fellow servant and leave the rest up to God. One of the greatest heroes of the 20th century is Mother Teresa. Gave her life serving the poor and destitute. She said this, None of us, including me, ever do great things. But we can all do small things with great love, and together we can do something wonderful. Do small things with great love, and watch what God does with that. When we seek simply to serve, God can do so much through us. This is what Jesus did for us. Laid down any sense of greatness to serve. Watch this in Philippians 2 verse 5. Paul says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man... He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, we've almost romanticized the cross in our culture today. We wear, wear it on pendants around our neck. And, you know, we should celebrate what Jesus did at the cross, obviously. But let's put this in the context of the first century. You wouldn't walk around with a pendant of an electric chair on your chain, would you? That's essentially what the cross is. It's a first century electric chair, okay? It wasn't anything holy. It was a means of execution, okay? And so the cross was reserved for the execution of the worst criminals. He was crucified between two thieves, right? And it's the most painful, excruciating, humiliating way to die on earth. So Jesus, never having sinned, having in very nature, God let go of that, let go of His divine attributes, took on the form of a servant, and died a criminal's death in order to serve us. Never seeking His own glory. And then the Scriptures go on to tell us in the following verses that because He did this, the Father exalted Him and gave Him the name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow on heaven and earth and below the earth, and every tongue confess that He is Lord. Jesus took on the form of a servant, made himself nothing. And the Bible says it's for the joy that was set before him, and that joy was you. Now, in the same way, whatever God has for you, it may seem trivial, it may seem small, but if you do small things with great love, it can change the world. The key is that we are together in what we do for Christ. That's the power of together. So now we are like Tychicus and Epaphras, fellow servants, Cernegos, those working together in synergy, working as one to advance God's kingdom together. Here's the thing is that maybe you're here today and that togetherness is the missing piece in your life. You have faith in Christ. You, you, you want to do great things for Christ. You want to serve Him and do all that. But 
It's like there's just this sense of going in the dark all by yourself with no direction, nowhere, no, not knowing where to go. The missing piece may be togetherness. It may be that we're trying to do something alone that God designed us to do together. Here's what I want to do. As we close today, I, I, I felt this last night as I was finishing up this message that this was how we were supposed to end today. Our young families, our young people are struggling with more aloneness than any generation, I believe, in, our, in American history. And, and the way our culture is, is evolving right now, the way it's developing, it, it tends to isolate us more and more. And I've really got a burden for young families, for young men and women to feel connected, to know that there's people that are on their side, that have their back, that are standing with them. So I want to ask, if you're under, and I'm, I'm going to set the age at 45 because I'm 46. I'm just going to put myself right on the other side of it, okay? I'm putting myself in the older category. If you're, if you're 45 or under, would you lift your hand? Hold your hand up real high. Good number. Okay, good. All right, everybody stand together. And Keith, if you would come and... <clears throat> I don't want to embarrass you guys or put you on the spot, but if you raise your hand saying you're uh, 45 or under, I want to ask you to, to be a little bold. I'm going to ask you to come and stand at the front facing me. I'm not going to make you face the congregation right now, but come to the front and face me. And we just want to pray for you today. We want to bless you today. Would you be willing to do that? Come on and come on and stand at the front, if you would. If you have babies with you, just bring them on. That's fine. Thank you. Just make a straight line here. Look at these folks. This is the next generation of the church, y'all. Amen? Can we give them a big hand? Now, I want somebody over the age of 45 to come and stand with each person here. Men with men, women with women, if possible. Just come and stand with them. 